Hello everyone and welcome again to another Blessed Winds Bible Message Podcast. Been another really, really good two weeks. I hope you've enjoyed your last two weeks. And I want to start talking in a little bit today about, about sin and about God's grace and how amazing it is. What what an amazing world we live in. What an amazing God we have that we can make mistakes and he shows us grace. So talking about sin, sin started in the garden, started in Genesis 3. And Genesis being the first book of the Bible, sin did not take that long to enter. It was in the third chapter, third chapter. Adam and Eve were both tempted. They ate the fruit. There was sin. And Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all done things that were not right in God's eyes. So is sin okay? I mean, speeding's okay. We talk about the law. A lot of times when we talk about sin, we talk about the law. We talk about the biblical law, the Moses law, the old covenant laws, things, things like that. Well, what necessarily equates with that? How about the, our municipal laws, speeding? Well, we speed. We don't get in trouble for that. So is it okay to sin? And the reason for that is it's effectively been decriminalized. Most people do not believe they're going to get in trouble for doing zero to five over. So a lot of people do zero to five miles an hour over the speed limit. Most of the times the police won't pull somebody over for doing zero to five over. Okay. Is sin the same way? Is there anything that God has said is decriminalized? No, we have God's grace. And it doesn't mean it's been decriminalized. It means we repent. It means we admit that we're, we're not right. And we go from there. We don't get that, God, that same God's grace in court. You can admit you're not right in court, and you're still going to pay the ticket if you're above five over. But if you sin, and if you have sinned, there is forgiveness from God. Romans 3.23 says, For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah. Yeah, we have fallen short. We've all done that. We turn away from sin. It still happens from time to time. We're not perfect. None of us are, are perfect. So somebody asked me, if we all sin and sin leads to death, what about children? What happens to children when they die? Before they reach what they call an age of accountability? You're not going to find age of accountability in the Bible. That's just a term that man has thrown around that, that seems to make some sort of sense based on some things the Bible says. Romans 7, 9. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life, and I died. Paul, when he wrote this in Romans, he's talking about someone that is unaware of the law, unaware of the commandments. And when that person became aware of the commandments, 
sin became real and it sprang to life and I died. And when he says I died, it means I've died to sin. This points to an age of awareness that there are people that are alive that are unaware that there is sin. This is the children. Second Samuel 12, 21 through 23. He answered. And when he says he answered, this is, this is David speaking about the loss of his child. While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him. But he will not return to me. The key phrase in there is, I will go to him. Does that mean sometime David expected to be with his son again in heaven. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. In this, it's talking about people making decisions to sin. And the key word there is being understood and clearly seen. If a child cannot comprehend what they are seeing to completely understand it, are they responsible? Deuteronomy 139, and the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children who do not know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give to them and they will take possession of it. This was talking about when Moses and Israelites had left Egypt and many of them weren't going into the promised land because they were sinning against God. And God said, your children who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. They will enter the promised land. From that verse, it would not be hard to believe that gracious God would not allow the children, the ones that don't know good from evil, to enter heaven. Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Don't hinder them was referring to Jesus was talking to the disciples. The disciples had rebuked the children in the previous verse, and the previous verse was, Matthew 19.13 Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Matthew 19.14 Don't hinder the children, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Based on these verses... Although the Bible does not say if a child dies, it's going directly to heaven. You can take a look at this and see that a child is going to go to heaven because they do not know good from evil. So what is the age of accountability? It's the age of knowing what is right and wrong. That's it. That's, that's all it is. When you know right from wrong, that's the age of accountability. 
But once you understand the difference between right and wrong, it's on us. We must choose Christ. We must be born again. In the Bible, there's a story of Nicodemus. And he's talking to Jesus about the concept of being born again. And he asks, what, am I supposed to go up into my mother's womb and, and be born again? This was all based on John 3.3 3, when Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. It doesn't mean you're, you physically are born to this earth again. It's referring to dedicating yourself to Jesus after you know right and wrong. After you understand who Jesus is and what he did for us. It's understanding. Once you understand, you have to provide that dedication. Many Christians were circumcised and baptized at a very young age. Most don't remember what happened. I know I don't. I, I don't remember the day I was baptized as a baby. I remember the day I was baptized again. But I don't remember the day I was baptized as a baby. I didn't have a choice in the matter. My parents took me to the church, most likely carried me, I'm assuming. Maybe I was in a stroller. I was baptized, and I had no understanding of what that meant. When I reached the time that I had an understanding, I needed to make a conscious decision to choose Jesus Christ. But when you choose Jesus, you're inviting the Spirit in you. And you become a new creature in Christ under the new covenant of grace. So when we look at the old covenant, were there any laws that were decriminalized? No. The law refers to the old covenant. The old covenant was a rigid set of rules that had to be followed. And by following those rigid set of rules, you found God. The new covenant set by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for us, died as a sacrificial lamb, was a new covenant under grace. That new covenant under grace is once we accept him, all of our sins are forgiven. All of our previous sins, everything we've done in the past, so I hit the age that I should have known better and I did things wrong. As soon as I came to realize what I was doing and asked God for forgiveness and dedicated my life to Jesus Christ and accepted him as my Lord and Savior, all those sins went away. They're not decriminalized. Because had I not accepted Jesus Christ, they would not have gone away. But the sacrificial lamb that died for us took away my sins, and with his stripes, I was healed. Just like you're healed when you accept Jesus Christ. He recognized in making that covenant that we all fall short of the glory of God. And in the old covenant, you had to sacrifice things, sheep, oxen, whatever it might be for whatever sin you committed. He is the Lamb of God that has taken away the sin of the world. So we're all equal. We've all sinned. 
There's no sin that's greater than another. It's all sin in God's eyes. We will be forgiven if we want it. If you accept the Holy Spirit, you will follow the law by default. So in the end, God is getting what he wanted with the old covenant. If you invite the Holy Spirit to live in you and you reject sin, the side effect is living a righteous life. Does this mean when I accept Christ that I am perfect? Absolutely not. Not perfect. We are not perfect. We must be humble in our religious journey. We must not look down on other people. We must not be haughty. Haughty is a word in the Bible that, that I had to look up, and it means looking down on other people. This isn't a competition. This is our salvation. So that means even while we're growing in Christ, I can still make mistakes. I still make mistakes. What we need to do when we're making those mistakes is ask the Lord for forgiveness. We need to repent and we need to ask for forgiveness. And because of his grace, we have it. We don't have to ask twice. We don't have to walk around and wonder if we got the forgiveness or not. We did because of God's grace. What an amazing God we have that he will forgive us of all of our sins. One of the things that we need to remember, though, as we're going down our religious journey, is not to look down on other people that are working on their religious journey. Again, being haughty. We can't be judgmental. Matthew 23, 13 says, Woe to the teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. What he's saying there is, we all fall short. And if I'm looking at other people and looking at how they fall short, I'm falling short because I'm judging them. And it's not my place to judge them. That's between them and God. I don't know where they are on their path to the Lord. I don't know where you are on your path to the Lord. Matthew 7, 1 through 5, do not judge or you will be judged. Wow, that's, that's pretty big. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If we're judging other people, we're going to be judged as harshly. Verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the same time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. It's not our job to judge. There is sin all around us. Nobody has lived up to God's glory. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We try. We do our best. When we make a mistake, we pray. When we have thoughts go through our head, because even thoughts can be sins. 
when those thoughts go through our head, don't give them place and ask for forgiveness. We can't look down at other people. We can't sit there and group together as a bunch of religious people and look down at a specific group or a specific person. Luke 15, 3 through 7. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts the puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need repentance. That says it all. The Lord will leave the righteous to save the sinner. But when we're talking about the righteous, we might be talking about the self-righteous. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. There's none of us without sin. We shouldn't be casting stones. We must love those who sin. We must not judge them. We must show them grace. Truly, it's none of my business how anybody lives their life. That is the life that God gave them. The one life that God gave them. How they live it is between God and themselves. We must pray for those that are struggling with sin. And we celebrate when someone comes back. And we celebrate when somebody repents from sin. We must, as Christians, exercise and mimic the grace that Jesus gave us. We must show people grace. We don't know where they're at in their walk with God. When you were learning to ride a bike, did you do it perfect the first time? Or did you fall off a couple times? Over time, that bike got a lot easier to ride. But did you still fall once in a while? Maybe. We all still sin. But the more we practice avoiding sin the better we get at it. The more we seek righteousness, the easier it is to find righteousness. We need to press into God's grace. We need to thank him every day for the grace that he shows us. And we must remember salvation is there if you want it. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If you want to invite Jesus Christ into your life, if you haven't already, it's time to knock on that door. It's time to call out to him and ask. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ, or you just want to reaffirm your commitment, repeat after me. Lord, I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. 
I am knocking, Lord. Please open the door and let me receive the Holy Spirit. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I thank you for your grace. Lord, I pledge that I will work toward righteousness and turn away from sin. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the Lord bless and keep you over these next two weeks. Thank you again for listening to the Blessed Winds Bible Messages. Please don't forget to select like and subscribe. Remember, it's wherever you can find podcasts or on YouTube.